Welcome to the episode 31 of Take It EV 3-1. In today's episode, we've got an interview with uh, a special EV owner. Uh, her name is Ellie. And what makes her unusual and special is the fact that uh, she is a lorry or truck driver uh, by trade. But she's recently got herself an electric uh, Mustang. And it's an interesting conversation. I thought I'll share. And uh, yeah, what's amazing is that I learn a lot about trucking industry, the differences between you know European and American uh, way of dealing with this. And also, uh, we talk about EVs, of course. Um, the interview got cut short due to technical issues with the uh, the recording software that we used. Um, but hopefully it's enjoyable and, uh, you know, just, yeah, just sit back, relax and enjoy. We are the podcast about the EVs where we don't just self-charge, but we also plug in. Here's Ellie. So my name is Ellie O'Dare. I'm a long haul truck driver from Montana in uh, North America, uh, USA. And uh, so I just picked up a Mustang Mach-E back in July. I was living in California at the time, uh, and I just moved up to Montana. Uh, so doing that long trip in an electric car was certainly a very different experience compared to driving uh, semi-trucks all over the place. Okay. And it, it sounds very... When, a, when, when I think about the pro, prototypical um, semi-driver or, or lorry driver, mm -hmm. as we call them here, uh, you know, truck driver. I think that's the universal around the world. Yes. Uh, term. It, they don't. They they usually don't st strike us as the uh, sort of the EV type. What 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 in, what got you into uh, buying an EV instead of you know another ice car? Oh, I've always been uh, kind of a nerdy individual, so I really love seeing just like the cutting edge stuff. I like playing with new technology. Uh, I've always had the most fuel efficient truck I can get in in the industry. Um, typically a Freightliner with very advanced aerodynamic features on it to get really push the uh, the fuel economy up to the... So industry average fuel economy for long-haul trucks is like 5.66 miles per gallon um, uh, US gallons, which is a little off from uh, UK gallons, I think. Yes, but uh, I don't know the conversion offhand. But um, the more fuel-efficient trucks can push 8 to 10 miles per gallon. And uh, that makes such a huge difference in the bottom line. But a lot of drivers, they they prefer those like boxy trucks with the long hoods, and uh, we don't get the uh, we don't get the cab over design that's popular in the UK and uh, Europe because we have very different length laws over here. Uh, so we can actually make trucks that are basically like a bullet train shape, so they're very aerodynamic. Yeah, it's it's funny how that uh, makes a difference. Anytime I speak to anyone in the US, they always say, "Well, just buy a Tesla, just buy a Tesla, just buy a Tesla." I hate to, mm -hmm. uh, to be talking about Teslas because there's so many. People talking about Teslas out there, it's boring basically to, at, at, at some level. But I do have to, you know, that's my kind of re reference point. So everyone's mm -hmm. talking about Teslas because in the US there's loads of uh, superchargers, so you can actually easily get across. But yes. you, you obviously you can't use uh, superchargers with uh, with Mustang E. How did you find the uh, the you know? Did you have any problems? Was it easy, especially as a, as a sort of? Because I'm guessing that's your first electric car, right? Um, yes. Yeah. I drove a so, regular uh, gasoline-powered Mustang before that. Okay. Okay. So mm -hmm. you just moved Mustang to Mustang. So there's another yes. angle in there. Same Is color, that... even. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So how did you find the uh, the charging experiences in the US? Uh, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be, but I did run into more problems than I expected as well. The they were very well paced, uh, especially once I stopped trying to just push the range. Uh, so like the first day I did like a 170 mile leg at one point um, and did like a full charge at a Walmart. But once once I stopped trying to do that, I was just doing like a 20 percent, 30 percent charge at each uh, each of these um, charge stops along the way. And it was a much more a much smoother experience once I did that. But even still, um, the non Tesla charge network uh electrified america is the most widespread one here is a little inconsistent okay. uh, i experienced a couple of broken chargers there was one where i was plugged into a charger with a dead screen and had to do everything through the mobile app um and then another one where it was just uh or that same one where they'd clearly been vandalized a few times there was silly string all over one of them uh, this was like a day before halloween so it's not too unexpected but um <laughs> and even then when i got to uh the fast charger here in missoula for non-tesla vehicles is um it's only charging at about half of the rate that my car can take uh which is just and no one really knows why and apparently it's been like that for a couple months <laughs> so you've got the you've got the uh, the sort of the entry level mustangi or the uh, yes yeah i've got the mock the mock e select version with the okay. rear wheel drive standard range what what is the uh, the battery capacity on it and the sort of range expected range? I don't know the battery capacity off the top of my head, but the EPA range is two hundred and ten miles per uh, per hundred percent charge. That's not too bad. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in in the uh, in Europe, once you get sort of over two hundred mile like real life range on the on the full tank or full full battery, it's usually sufficient for daily use, basically. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I typically, um, in when I was working down in California, I was able to just drive the car. Uh, so before I got home charging set up down there, I was able to just drive the car for a week without having to plug it in anywhere. Just uh, my normal commute, getting groceries and everything, and just not have to worry about it. And then uh, there was a bus stop near where I worked that had uh, chargers where they just charge you a dollar an hour to park. And, you know, once a week I'd drop my car off there before work, plug it in, and go to work. I just walk across the street to uh, to um, the warehouse where our trucks were garaged, and by the time I was off work, it would be back at eighty or ninety percent. Okay, and and mm-hmm. you'd have to pay a couple of dollars for that, and that's it, right? Yeah, five or six. Yeah, that's not that's not that's a pretty cheap parking actually, uh, especially if you get charging in, included. Um, yes, that's not too bad. Are you looking forward to to trucks being electric as well one day, or? Uh... I really am. It's so I've seen uh, I've seen electric yard tractors getting more widespread use. So uh, these are um, trucks that they use at a single warehouse. So they're not road legal, but uh, they just pick up and move trailers from parking into loading docks and back and forth. Um, and I've seen those becoming much more widespread just in the last year. Uh, and also, uh, I believe Freightliner is testing a couple of electric models as well as Kenworth, uh, which are two major truck manufacturers here in the U.S because um, I definitely saw one near the warehouse. I was just looking at uh, chargers on uh, the local map, and one of the ones was listed as being owned by Daimler Trucks North America, which is the company that owns Freightliner and uh, Mercedes-Benz trucks over in Europe and the UK. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so it was, I, I guess they got one testing near there, but typically um, I've seen they use the uh, the same DC fast chargers, the combo CCS that uh, my yeah, Mustang yeah. does. Yeah, that, that's what they do in the uh, at least in the in the in Europe, 
whenever I, I've seen them, they, they just use the CCS standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them actually have two CCS plugs. So you can yes. charge the, with, from two chargers at the same time, which is a bit wild, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it gets it much faster, uh, much faster yeah. dump of electricity than a regular car. But uh, they they don't get anything close to the range that a regular car does. Um, okay. But I, I think the more promising tech that I've seen for electric semis uh, is, uh, I think, I forget if it's the UK or if it's Sweden, but uh, somewhere uh, Scania is testing these electric diesel hybrid trucks that have a pantograph on the top, like an electric train that extends up from the top of the cab and can touch overhead wires on the, on the uh, slow lane of the highway and just run off of power from the grid the whole time. Then you just disconnect from that. If you need to pass somebody and it switches seamlessly over to diesel power, it's really fascinating. And I think offloading the battery weight uh, in exchange for the pantograph, which is relatively light is huge for just getting much more efficiency out of, uh, out of these trucks because that's that's the big downside with trying to electrify trucks is they're so much heavier and you have weight limits for how much cargo you can have so if the truck is heavier you can have less stuff in the trailer so i think uh, i think that overhead wires offloading that infrastructure to something outside of the truck is going to be probably where i think the industry would would be better off pushing towards but that's a expensive investment for for yeah. countries to go through yeah, I've 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 seen that. I think it's in in Sweden. I I certainly haven't seen it in the UK on any any motorways here. But the uh, I mean, personally, I think loads of the in- industry could probably move to um, to use railways rather than mm-hmm. roads because it's 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 a bit crazy to to haul something you know across the whole country on the road when you have the perfectly good railway that just was designed for that in the in the first place. Uh, I I don't know the dynamic of that. I don't know the reason why you know why trucks are cheaper than than rail because um, I'm sure it's just money basically at the end of the day. Yeah, in in the U.S., uh, trucking is a little more a little cheaper than rail overall, just because there is that um, that national investment that happened in our freeway network, our interstate highway system. It's basically just a giant subsidy to the trucking companies uh, because this is these are nationally paid for roads and the fuel taxes that we pay is nowhere close to what they actually spent on these actual highways, whereas the railroad companies have to pay to maintain all their own tracks. Okay, okay. I think in the UK, it's the uh, the um, the railways are, are owned by the, or at least maintained by the government to some extent, because they're, you know, I can't remember the term, but they're nationally kind of, they're critical resource or whatever, whatever the term is, there's a term for that, but, you know, they're basically <laughs> required to for the country to, to function. So, so <laughs> no, the in the US, we just have a handful of what we call class one railroads, which are these massive companies that grew from just uh, all these regional railroads combining over the last uh, two centuries to uh, make these just giant regional monopolies almost of, uh, of rail service uh, that they just do exclusively freight. They don't do passenger. Passenger rail is, is national over here, uh, okay. run by a company called Amtrak. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard about them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So, do you, do you think? Because obviously, US, you know, is is a vast country, like we talked about it, and the uh, and it would be very hard to put the wires over the 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 interstate, you know, network. Uh, I don't know how many miles that is, but I presume it's like thousands. About forty five thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting. I, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> you know, forty. I was expecting like a dozen or something like that. But okay. Um. 
that yeah that's a lot of miles to cover uh and then you've got basically essentially one lane that's out of the um uh, out of uh use for anybody else because that's where all the trucks are going to be so well that's kind of how it is already uh in in the u.s at least trucks typically are required to stay in the slow lane except in major cities where there's five or six lanes sometimes um it's okay trucks are required to stay to the right uh, over here because we, we drive opposite UK. But yeah. um, trucks are required to stay to the right and they can pass each other. But if they spend too long in the left lane, especially states like California where trucks have a uh, much lower speed limit than cars, uh, the state police get a little bit uh, a little bit upset at that and will actually pull you over and write you a ticket for it if you block the, the fast lane too long. I mean, in the UK, at least, the uh, the drive some drivers think that they they can't use the first lane or well, the slow lane. You know, that's the uh... mm -hmm. so. Um, speaking of speaking of Mustangi, uh, what did did you just did you buy it because uh, because you've, you like I said you've you've had previously a Mustang, so you just wanted to continue to have a Mustang, or is, was there did you consider anything else? I've I've heard uh, that some people find it controversial that. Uh, Ford has called it a Mustang. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I actually get that a lot. Uh, people telling me, oh, it's not a Mustang. It's not a Mustang. But no, I very much like the style that uh, Ford goes with for the Mustang. I think it's a really great looking car. Um, so it was very much a part of wanting to stay in that family of vehicles just because I think they look fantastic. Uh, and it also, it's a lot of fun to drive. <laughs> but uh, I did test drive a Ford Focus uh, battery electric, but uh, that was... Uh, that's a little hatchback. I think they have those in the UK. I'm not sure. Um, um, I mean, we we do have a Ford Focuses, but I mm -hmm. I don't think they make them electric here because they. I think that's just a California sort of compliance car. Um, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was basically just the entire trunk was taken up by the battery. Oh wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. In interesting. Um, and is there anything like? Is there anything you didn't like about that car? And uh, you know you wish was different uh, i've uh, never driven long you know uh, mustangi I've, I've sat in one uh, that's that's all, all i've done uh, but i have no experience so uh. it is a little bit uncomfortable after a really long time sitting in the seat i found myself having to adjust the seat a bit uh, as i got through longer and longer in the trip just to just to kind of keep my shoulder off of the a pillar and um or not the, the b pillar sorry and um stuff like that, just uh, some minor comfort things for a really extended road trip. But day-to-day -day use, it's just it's just like sitting in a normal Mustang, it feels like. Okay. You, you mentioned um, that you moved just recently from California. Uh, did you yes. move in that car? Yes. Uh, so I had uh, movers pick up most of my belongings, and I stuffed anything I deemed important enough to need to come with me and anything I would need in the first two weeks. Stuffed all of that into the Mustang. <laughs> and just hit the road and just charged it almost every electrify america fast charger between here and there yeah i've seen some of your tweets complaining about certain you know experiences but mm -hmm. was it was it uh was it did you because people often say that it's very hard for an average joe to kind of use these networks these days you know um that you need to be a nerd or or just a, a technically minded person would you agree with that in the u.s or is it is it is it kind of um, friendly enough to that you know you could give it to anybody and they they should be able to figure this out? Well, it's, it's pretty simple uh, with the Mustang at least. Uh, certainly with the Electrify America chargers, I was still using. Uh, Ford gave me 250 miles for free or 250 kilowatts for free uh, on okay. the Electrify America network when I bought the car, and I hadn't really used that much uh, fast charging 
before uh, this road trip. So um, I was still able to, for the most part, like the first eight or uh, seven or eight uh, Electrify America stations I went to, I just plugged my car in and it just charged on its own. Um, it's a lovely thing that Ford had set up. That's uh, they just call it pl- a Ford plug and charge, where you you set up a payment method through the app uh, that controls the car, and you just plug into Electrify America and it just starts starts going and it automatically bills you. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't use the best rate. So now that I've run out of that free charging, I've actually disabled plug and charge in my car um, in favor of starting the chargers through the Electrify America app uh, because it gets you cheaper electricity. Okay. Yeah, interesting. I, I don't I don't know of too many networks in the UK um that, that have that option. There's quite a few new cars coming out just now that promise to have something like that, but you usually have to pay a subscription of some kind and you know I don't know any details because they because uh, these things have have just started. So people who've received those cars, like the Ionic five or Kia E V six or um there is another one that escapes me. There's a couple of them anyway. But the um They've received like a year or two for free. So obviously yes. nobody knows what it's going to be like when those three years uh, elapse or, 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 or end. Um, we'll see. You know, uh, I, I presume it's just they've given people two years because they're like, well, we, we don't have this figured out yet. So, you know, let us figure this out whilst you're enjoying the car. I think it's the uh, uh, more, li- more likely what's going to happen. But I, I don't like the idea of having to pay a 10, a 10 or whatever uh, uh, pounds per month just to have a subscription that seems to be a bit backwards because then you still have to pay mm-hmm. for electricity on top of that you just get a cheaper rate um but there's months when nobody's dra- traveling anywhere so you know you just you're just going to charge at home um speaking of which um uh, do, do you um again because i don't know anything about the the way this works in the u.s uh do, do you live in a flat or is it is it a house I am currently in an apartment. I uh, and I was living in an apartment in California as well. Okay. Uh, so in California, my apartment complex had EV chargers uh, that you could uh, you could rent the parking spaces that had them, and then the charging was just uh, twenty dollars a month on top of that, and otherwise unlimited, um, no extra charge for the electric- electricity. But it was a uh, covered garage parking spot, so it was much more expensive than the regular parking at this apartment. Um, but so I had one of those spaces and just plugged the car in every night and got it up to 100%. Uh, but here in Montana, I do not have a charging solution at home. Uh, my apartment complex does not have any outdoor power outlets to plug into, and they won't let you run an extension cord across the cross across the sidewalk. Uh, so I'm just stuck with the uh, with the local Electrify America charger for now. I think um, I think the trucking company I'm working with up here is potentially going to let me plug my car in there. Uh, when I'm out on uh, on trips, but I haven't confirmed that yet. So I'm hopeful. Uh, I think they're, uh, they have a lot for drivers' vehicles, and I believe they've got plugs at each of those spots for uh, block heater. I'm up in Montana. It gets very cold up here sometimes. So there are um, surprisingly infrastructure in places where cars are parked for a long period to plug a uh, electric heater in for your car's engine so that your fuel stays liquid <laughs> when it gets very <laughs> cold here and uh, keeps the the batteries in good condition and just keeps the engine kind of warm through those yeah. uh, coldest periods um, so i think my car can charge pretty relatively well off of just a standard power outlet and i'll be out for a few days at a time at least uh, so it'll get plenty of charge off of that okay then, i mean yeah they, yeah they have they have those in norway as well um like- whatever they call it in Norway, but, you know, you you, you basically have the three-pin plug 
um, at every uh, parking space, and it looks a bit weird because you, you, you know, when you're there in the summer, you don't know what it's for, but it's basically to to do that to keep the engine warm. Otherwise, the car is not going to start like the uh, the regular right. ice car is not going to start. Um, is 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 Montana? Because obviously, we we everyone knows around the world that California is very kind of you know very progressive and forward thinking when it comes to clean uh, energy and sustainability and all that. But I don't know about other states in the US is Montana uh, pretty good about the electric cars or what is the sort of not really <laughs> so uh, part of the issue in Montana is that I believe there's laws on on the books that uh, only the power companies can charge for electricity so there's not a whole lot of charging infrastructure here you've got a couple of electrify America chargers uh, which charge based on time rather than power because they can they can charge you for the parking spot they can't charge yeah. you for the electricity um, and uh but the slight advantage we have there is it's a very tourist heavy area and it's typically um meant there's a lot of areas that are meant for campers and um rvs recre um large uh, caravans i think y'all call them yes, yeah. uh in the I uk think everyone knows what rv is so. yes uh, <laughs> so it's motorhomes basically and yeah, they've got vehicle isn't it that was indeed yeah <laughs> and they've got these uh these large plugs that you can uh, plug an electric car into and charge them uh, at basically level two speeds. Uh, and most American electric cars come with an adapter that'll fit those kinds of plugs. So we've got a lot of campsites up here that are willing to let uh, motorists plug in an electric car to charge, which is kind of neat. Yeah, that's, that's very nice. That's very nice. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, anytime I speak to anybody who owns an EV, is usually in a, you know, somewhere, somewhere in, either very urban where they kind of used to it like New York or whatever, or, or somewhere in California where it's like, yeah, of course you've got electric uh, charger at, at, in your apartment complex or whatever, because, you know, it's California. Like Yes. <laughs> but no, um, uh, here in Montana, there's very few uh, public electric chargers. There's a couple of uh, dealerships in the city where I live. I'm in Missoula, Montana. Uh, there's a few dealerships that have electric chargers, and so far I've gotten the Volkswagen dealership to actually let me plug in and charge <laughs> for about an hour. Uh, the other day just to make sure i had enough juice to do my errands uh, after i stayed at a hotel across the street from them uh, but now that i'm settled in my apartment i've just been using the electrify america charger at walmart that's a, yeah that sounds like a temporary solution mm -hmm. do, do, do you see in the future that the uh, that the the uh, the apartments that you, you live in will they ever get electric uh, uh chargers or uh do you think that change because uh, obviously i mean in the uk we we you know we see a fairly rapid adoption of of uh, evs um i mean well i wouldn't say rapid but actually but you know it, it it's steadily climbing i see more and more evs every month on the road um i don't know what it's like in the us it is you know um it, it it's obviously going to come like you know it's not going to uh it's not I, i'm i'm sure they have to kind of think forward about these things yeah, we are seeing more and more of them here, but uh, typically it is focused in cities where people can just plug the car in at home and at a regular power outlet in a garage or something. Uh, and not a lot of apartments, at least in places like Montana, have really started putting in the infrastructure for charging. But at least in a city like Missoula, like all these mo all these dealerships have electric car chargers because they're selling electric cars. Um, so they're actually pretty successful at that. There's a lot of a lot of the standalone housing in this city has garages because it is a snowy area. People want to park their, their vehicle indoors. So there's a lot of there's a lot of built-in 
readiness for electric cars. Like there's there's that potential to just plug your car in in your garage here. Uh, so cities like this can adapt to that a lot quicker than uh, places where it's like driveway parking is the the usual standard. So there's there's quite a few of them here. I've seen a lot of bolts, <laughs> a lot of Chevy bolts here. Yeah, it's, it it is quite a popular car apparently. Uh, it's never been released uh, to the right hand drive market, so I've never seen them in the UK. Uh, maybe for for the better because the because uh, there's a massive recall on them now. So um. <laughs> yes, I just got a recall notification about my Mustang as well. Uh, something about the windshield not being attached right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, terrifying what... to think about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all, all I think all cars get them from time to time, as long as they're not emergency recalls. Mm-hmm. You know, they um, it's okay. When I when I had Nissan Leaf, my previous electric car, I there was there was about two or three that I had you know, text messages about, but it always said, "Well, next time you're in the um, the car isn't for the service, we're just going to take care of it." So it was right. like, yeah, it's something that to to be fixed, but whatever. Like when you have time. You know, so um, I've never had, I've never, never felt the sense of urgency to uh, to do anything about it. So um, hopefully, I've, from what I've heard, the the ones on the on the Mustangi are not like emergency ones, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't think so. No, but I do have that one sitting on my app, <laughs> just like you need to schedule this. <laughs> so because so, you you're working in the in the trunk uh, tr- trunking, <laughs> you're working in the, the trucking industry. Did you? Uh, when do you, when you talk to other uh, drivers, truckers or whatever you guys call them out there, mm-hmm. do you get a lot of uh, people saying, "Oh, those electric cars, you know, they're not gonna, never gonna work." Do you do you have any stories to share? Like any? Oh yeah, very very much so. Uh, a lot of truck drivers are very skeptical about electric vehicles, especially in terms of electric trucks, just because it, there are so many parts of the U.S. where you know there are 500 mile stretches of relatively desolate highway, so you would need pretty dense networks of chargers and you've got that diesel infrastructure in already uh for getting these trucks through there and people just can't they they can't think of that ever getting replaced there's a lot of uh, a lot of inertia there that people are it's difficult for them to overcome plus there's also a bit of a stereotype that priuses are some of the worst drivers on american roads Uh, it's the (laughs) toyota prius which is one of the more popular electric vehicles out here or hybrid Uh, many of them are hybrids but they've also got some battery electric versions but uh they tend there's such a common car that nine times out of ten when you see someone do something dumb on the road they're driving a prius it feels like so I think there's a lot of animosity from truck drivers against that specific model of of car, which has kind of bled over into electric vehicles as a whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what they're thinking about the diesel stops because they uh, do. Do they think that they were there forever? Like you know, somebody had to plan them and and right. build them. And it's the same thing with the uh, electricity is very ubiquitous and and much easier to distribute than than fuel. Um, you know, you could have you could have entire roads broken or frozen or whatever and you and the cables are usually going to be still fine i mean the you know i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to um diminish the uh, the, the the amount of work that goes into laying cables and and sort of the infrastructure because it's it's quite a it's quite a complex uh, piece of engineering itself but i think it's far simpler than the road uh, so. <laughs> to an extent uh, there's a lot of places in the united states where the power grid is still surprisingly fragile um the state of Texas experienced a, a pretty nasty winter storm earlier this year yeah. that knocked out power for a lot of the state for several days at a time. And something like that, it's really hammers home how diesel is going to be around for a very long time in this country. 
Yeah. I mean, well, in case of Texas, isn't that like a self-imposed rule that they have not to be plugged into anybody around them? So they kind of basically shut themselves in the foot. Uh, that's, my, that's just my understanding that mm-hmm. they've chose not to, not to be connected to anybody else. So when things went wrong in their own state, if there was a cable across the, the border, they would have been able to, to be saved. But, you know. Um. To an extent, there's a lot of that where it's uh, there's kind of a tendency for the, at least in America, for the more left-leaning uh, political parties to just kind of immediately start blaming uh, these more right-leaning states, uh, trying to kind of blame them for their own problems when stuff like this happens. But it is, it's a very independent state, but it is a very large state. And a lot of interstate trucking has to pass through that state, especially West to East uh, trips that happen. Uh, any, if you're ever trying to get from California to Florida, you have to drive through Texas and you have to drive through Texas for more than a day to get across that state. It's a very large state. Um, so a, a problem like that in Texas is a problem for the whole country uh, in, in a way that I don't think people outside the U.S. really appreciate that ever, the, the U.S. is split into these 50 little miniature countries almost that all have different rules and different regulations uh, regarding how electricity is distributed. And that's going to make a widespread adoption of electric vehicles kind of difficult here. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Do you, do you, do you um, know anybody who... Or you worked with anybody who is actually very much pro-electric uh, trucking as well? Anybody looking forward to, uh, you know, to just driving an electric uh, vehicle? Oh, yeah. As Well, the company I was working with in California was uh, we were working on prototype self-driving trucks. And all of the drivers I worked with at that company were very, very much... Uh, excited about the potential of driving electric vehicles. Uh, I got really excited once I, I saw the Tesla semi out testing once. Uh, was just I wanted so bad to just get up to it and take a bunch of photographs, but I wasn't allowed. <laughs> but uh, it was really neat to see that on the road. And, you know, anytime we'd see something like that, we're all sharing. We're all like, oh, look at this thing we saw on the road the other day and bring up like dash cam footage or something. And uh, so there is an element of truck. There is a group of truck drivers, at least in the U.S., that are very much um, willing to work with new technologies as they come out. And it's exciting for us to see. It's exciting for us to see the industry moving forward in that way. Yeah, I, I this is again, this is a perspective of somebody who's never driven a, a, a truck, never mind electric truck. But whenever I sit in a, in a prototype of, a, of an electric truck, I'm always thinking, I wouldn't mind sitting here and doing this as a job. Whereas mm-hmm. when I sit in the uh, in a sort of regular diesel truck, I'm I'm just confused. Like there's so many buttons, and you know, you have to shift the uh, the gears. I don't know if they're automatic in the uh, in the US, but in the UK, uh, the truck drivers are known for um, not slowing down because then then they have to shift five times down and then five times up whenever they have to change the speed a little bit. Um, and also, trucking industry is kind of known for the sort of uh, the the roughness of the uh, the the drivers like you know um and i do wonder sometimes whether it's it's to do with the fact that you're driving this uh, uh, large noisy vibrating and kind of you know stinking machine all day and that kind of extends i don't know i, I don't want to sound gross but it's just basically you know you're kind of used to that environment mm-hmm. and that extends to to kind of almost the the how you feel in your life whereas if you jumped into a car that's you know clean and 
and basically like a Bentley almost, you know, where you're just cruising uh, uh, quietly and, and it has plenty of power as well. I think that would impact the industry massively. And oh, absolutely. And so in the U.S., uh, automated manual transmissions are becoming much more widespread in the industry. We were using uh, manual transmissions up until almost uh, ubiquitously through the entire industry up until like five years ago. Uh, and then a lot of larger fleets have switched over in that intervening five years to almost entirely automatic transmissions, uh, what they call automatic transitions. They're automated manuals. So that's it's a like a paddle shifter, so to speak, yeah. um, okay. where it can shift on its own, but you can also switch into a manual mode and shift through the gears on your own. But it's basically the same transmission as a manual truck, but just a, a little servo, uh, an air-powered servo is doing the shifting for you uh, underneath the floor. But our trucks are also much larger than uh, trucks in Europe. And with that longer wheelbase, the ride is a lot more comfortable for us. Um, so we have trucks that are like driving a Bentley or a Cadillac down the road. So it's a very comfortable experience sometimes for us. And okay. the, the companies that retain drivers the best are the ones who are buying these really nice trucks. Like our Volvos over here are, there's basically a whole little apartment in them. <laughs> I, I mean the, the the long haul drivers in the in Europe also have a you know a, a bit of like a living space in the back mm-hmm. so they can chill basically uh, uh, d- during stops. Let's be honest, it's mostly guys or, or men driving these cars um, of certain type. And I think if if the uh, if it, if those cars were um, nicer to drive, I don't know how to put it, but the uh, I think it would attract more women and kind of a bit more diverse workforce. I don't know what your perspective is on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly in the U.S., uh, the company that I work with uh, up, up here in Montana, Wilson Logistics, uh, they have a higher percentage of women in their company than most other trucking fleets do. I think we're up to like 10 or 12 percent, whereas like nationally it's like 2 percent. Uh, yeah. And a lot of that is just you have to make the company culture uh, such that it's less of a boys club. <laughs> and having yeah. having these nice uh, nice trucks and good equipment really does help it lure people in uh, and makes it a much more comfortable sort of situation. But it okay. also, you know, there's, there are stereotypes about truck drivers that like we've been discussing just now that that stereotype persisting keeps women from thinking about this industry as a potential industry to go into. Uh, certainly before I talked to another woman that was in this industry, when I was getting ready to, to enter it, I didn't, even think about it as a potential uh, for myself. Whereas I was playing a video game about trucking just in my free time because I thought it was fun and it was a good way to listen to podcasts. And it's like, I've never actually considered really driving a truck until I, I met this other person who was doing it. And it's like, oh, maybe I could do that. And I might even be good at it. And turned out I was. Uh, but it's it's not something that's really targeted towards women, even in this country, uh, as a potential career. And that's Something that's been changing very slowly over the time that I've been in in the industry, but it's not. It's still very much a industry that relies on, you know, these young boys that grow up watching Smokey and the Bandit over and over again every weekend are the ones that they they want to get into the industry for some reason. Yeah, uh, but but do do you think do you, do you think having electrified trucks would help? Uh, I think. Potentially, to an extent, but in in America, at least, the electric trucks are going to be so much heavier that they're going to actually have less uh, space for the driver in the vehicle, most likely, than your typical diesel-powered truck, where the there's just two large tanks underneath the floor. So okay. I think 
certainly at the start of electrification in the industry, you're probably going to see those trucks be less popular among drivers. Just I don't think they're going to have the same kind of space in them uh, for as far as living space goes. And hopefully they will be more comfortable, but I haven't gotten to drive one yet, so I really don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, this is just me speculating, obviously, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just know, again, this is, again, speculating and, and basing it on the women that I know in my life is the, uh, they, they would prefer a, a, a cleaner and kind of less noisy environments uh, if, they, if they were going to work. But, but like I said, it's the culture within those companies that would have to change. It, it has to be a less of a boys club. And you yes. know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's actually been more diverse in the US because I hear loads of bad stories about, like, about the US in general not being uh, as diverse as a country you know, compared to some European countries. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good to hear that. Yeah. Another issue that comes up in trucking is certainly the, the aspect of training new drivers. It's really difficult. Uh, so there, because there are so few women in the industry, there's not a lot of women that train drivers. Uh, so as companies get more women, they can hire more women because they have more women to do the training. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that you, you get it because there are no women, you can't get new women into the industry. Mm. <laughs> so it's a yeah. really annoying problem for people to solve and companies like the one that I worked with where they've actually managed to get this small base of, of uh, this small group of women that are actually in the company and, and have been there long-term that are willing to do training uh, has been a huge advantage for them. It's uh, yeah, that's, that's something I haven't thought about. Cause obviously I always assume that, you know, uh, as a, as a bloke, I always assume, Oh, it's just going to be wh- whoever's going to train me. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, you know, when you're a woman, you, you're, you, you're probably more likely to want another woman to train you. Yes, uh, there, are, there are large fleets in the U.S. that have had serious uh, legal issues over um, having co-ed, uh, co-ed training situations where uh, a male driver was teaching a female student and would take advantage of them. Uh, and like, there's still uh, ongoing lawsuits about that in several of the large fleets in the U.S., and that's been another, another thing that has kept a lot of women from entering the industry. Interesting. Um... Yeah, yeah well, sorry, that got a little heavy there. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking, I was just trying to think about some a way to bring it back to electric vehicles, but you know, I yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry that it's happening, but you know, I, it's, I think it's a problem around the world. Like, it's not, it's not just the uh, US that you know, um, yes, that these sort of things are happening. Um, any, any sort of, any future trips that you're, uh, you're gonna go on in the, uh, in your Mustangi? Anything, anything to speak of? for the future? I don't have anything planned right now. I'm still kind of waiting for the, uh, the Electrify America network to expand between here and where my sister lives in South Dakota. Uh, South Dakota is currently a, a giant hole in the American charging network where there's, there's fast chargers in Rapid City itself, but there's not really anything within a normal EV's driving range of Rapid City. So getting there with an electric car, uh, other than just buying one in Rapid City and driving it there is, is extremely difficult at the moment. But uh, that charging network is slowly expanding out there, but they're having the same issues they had in Montana where getting these fast chargers built in these states that have these laws on the books about selling electricity, uh, it's been very difficult for them to get the uh, permits and actually put this infrastructure in place. But Tesla's got several uh, superchargers already in place, and there's been talk in the U.S. about Tesla opening that up to other vehicles. So I'm hopeful that eventually I will be able to continue driving my, my car east of the city I currently live in. And this is suddenly where the uh, recording 
it's cutting off. Sorry about that. Um, Ellie has a has a YouTube channel where she's recording all her adventures. That includes the electric car uh, adventures nowadays, as well as trucking. So you might you know find out quite a lot of uh, cool stuff. I'll I'll leave the uh, I'll leave it in the description down below for you to enjoy. And uh, as always, if you've been listening so far, thank you for listening and speak to you later. Bye bye.